0: We're looking, uh, as we uh, come into uh, the the kind of springtime, we're looking at a a slightly different series called The Big Picture. And uh, rather than working through a book of the Bible, we're looking at a few broad themes that are part of of our Christian belief and witness and uh, really trying to look Christianly at the world, to to, to get a world view that is is a Christian worldview, to kind of be able to to walk alongside others and maybe suggest and, and help people to see that there is a worldview that actually really, really makes sense of all that uh, all that we have. And we're, we're here today at uh, the third one. We've looked at creation. We've looked at the fall. And now we're looking at uh, perhaps a slightly strange word this morning, but I thought I'd leave the title Providence. Just uh, we'll expand and and see what that is all about. But we're going to look this morning at Providence. And uh, we're going to look at what it is and some of the things that we can understand about it and then also the consequences that are there. And we'll look at various parts of the Bible as we go through this morning. We, we saw earlier on that, that people are very creative and that actually people can, can make the most amazing things. But we don't have to look too far, do we? To see that our world is, is full of contrasts. On the one hand, we can see purpose and perfection, particularly in spring as, 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 as flowers kind of just come out. There's just... Incredible beauty in the spring creation. But actually our world is also painful and perplexing. It's both beautiful and it's broken. It's both glorious and gut-wrenching. We've seen so far God creating in perfection. And how Satan decided that he wanted to be like God, fell from heaven and drew Adam and Eve into sin. And that the world has, has suffered the effects of sin ever since. For a time, God, almighty God, has allowed others to have an impact on the world. And we can sometimes be left scratching our head thinking, what's that all about? And today I want us to look at this idea of providence. Essentially, providence says that God continues to have a relationship with the world he created. That's what we believe when we say that there is such a thing as providence. It's it's that belief that God continues to have a relationship with his creation. You see, there are alternative views to that. There are numerous alternatives to that. I'm always kind of conscious when I say anything that actually I probably only scratch the surface half the time. But I thought of three or four alternatives. One alternative and one that's quite powerful. It's the idea that, well, yeah, maybe God did create the world, but frankly, he created the world and then he just left us to get on with it, because look at it. What a mess. So he might have created it good, but he don't care. Often thought of as deism. Where God made the world, kind of wound it up like a a clockwork toy, and just let it go, and eventually it will kind of peter out and just go... That'll be that. Others see see God in, in everything. And see the, the conflict of, of nature and all that's falling apart as, as kind of our interference with God in everything. So God is in the trees and in the earth and in, in the sun and in everything. And that's a very confusing perspective because it it, kind of takes away from a notion of a God who is perfect and who can restore to perfection. For some, fate is a predominant world view. Actually, everything is fixed. It's the way it is. Things will be as they will be. Que Sarah. Very, very common perspective on the world. But actually, the scary conclusion you come to with K sera, sera, is what's the point? Why bother? If it's all fixed, we might as well just give up. What will be will be. What will happen will happen. And blow it. And actually, that's a really hopeless, hopeless place to be where you can feel pretty trapped because everything is fixed. This hurts to speak of this, Phil. But yesterday, Chelsea absolutely thumped Arsenal. We are in pain. Maybe there are other Arsenal fans who are in pain. Others, Harlequins didn't so good either, did they now? (laughs) But think about it. If you like football or if you like any sport, If you knew that it was fixed, suddenly there'd be no interest. If I knew ahead of time yesterday that Chelsea were going to whoop Arsenal 6-0, I'd have been even more miserable when I got up yesterday morning. But if that was fixed in time, there would be no point. People wouldn't follow football because there would be no interest. People get disillusioned when they discover that it's all fixed. Do you remember, some of you, the wrestling on a Saturday afternoon? Big Daddy and giant haystacks and all that kind of stuff. I loved that. My dad loved that. My grandparents loved the wrestling. It was part of my childhood. Four o'clock Saturday afternoon, sit down, watch the wrestling. But it was a fix. And it kind of disappeared. There's no point. But so many people live their lives thinking, well, it's all fate," Or maybe it's chance. There's another alternative view of the world. There's nothing that's kind of fixed. There's no story to what's going on. There's no big picture at all. It's just the way things shake down. Richard Dawkins, eminent scientist and atheist speaks of of that kind of perspective of chance, where he says that in a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, or any justice. (coughs) It's just what happens. You pays your money, you takes your choice. And I can kind of see where that might come from and, and kind of understand that perspective. There is a certain logic to, to so many of these perspectives, but here's the thing, when you come to it, they are all bereft of hope. There is no hope. With those worldviews. Whereas Providence, Christian belief in Providence, says that the God of creation is still involved. And whilst life, yes, will continue to have joy and despair, God is here and He is active. He has plans and purposes for his people. Even in the midst of what feels like sometimes even chaos, certainly pain, God is active and here. And if we look to the God of creation, we can begin to see some of his purposes and his plans and begin to to make sense of some stuff and and at least be able to hold on when stuff is really, really tough. I'm sure there are more than two purposes and plans that that God has, but there are two that that immediately spring to mind for me. One of them, that his plans and purposes are relational. God wants us To have a relationship with him. That's one of his purposes. That's one of the things that he made us for. To enjoy God and his presence. And to live for him in relationship with him. One of his purposes for us is that we relate to our creator. And another of his purposes is is that he wants nothing but good. Maybe it's a moral purpose. He wants us to grow in likeness of Him. Romans 8:28. Let me just find Romans 8:28. You might want to flick through Romans 8:28 if you find it and uh, want to shout out the page number. It's a, it's a quite a, a well-known couple of verses. Anyone got that in church Bibles? Some people electronically, which is very good. Who's going to get there first? Is it the electronics or is it the paper? 1135 there you go Romans 8 chapter uh, chapter 8 verse 28 and 29 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We could actually spend probably half an hour just on those two verses. But the thing that I see there is both that God's purposes are good and that he wants us to grow in likeness of him. Maybe it doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it anyway. It's not that in following Jesus that everything will be hunky-dory. Not that everything will suddenly come up smelling of roses. But that whatever happens, good or bad, as we seek to walk with him, God promises to see that his purposes for good and for a relationship with him, will be worked out. So providence, a relationship with God, the God who continues to relate to his creation. Let's have a quick look. Four things that we can understand about God's plans and purposes in this idea of providence. And I think these are terribly practical things. They apply to us here and now, as much as they did in the, in the whole of, of Scripture. First one of these is that God's plans take account of our choices and decisions. That speaks against this idea of fate, that it's all set and there's no point. You may know about the, the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah, who was told... To go to a place called Nineveh, where God saw that there was so much immorality and sin that that they needed to be turned around. And if they didn't, then Nineveh would be destroyed. Now, Jonah wasn't the most willing of volunteers. He did a fair bit of running away before eventually he got to Nineveh. But he had in his head, God, angry with Ninevites, Ninevites doomed. I'm going to tell them and then I'm going to watch. But of course God spoke through Jonah and the people of Nineveh turned and responded to the message that Jonah had given for them. God responded to their choices and their decisions. It has to be said that in some ways Jonah was a bit of a fatalist because he thought it was going to happen as as, as God had said. And he was pretty ticked off when God said, actually, no, they've turned, they've repented. I'm not going to destroy them. God wants us to respond to him. Of course, if we don't, then the result will be an eternal separation from God in hell. If we do not respond, then there is an outcome which is most awful. But if we do respond, God will take us wherever he finds us. That song we sang, so take me as you find me. All my fears and failings fill my life Again, How many of you have felt at various times in your life that you have messed up? I'll put both hands up. <laughs> Take me as you find me. All my fears and failings. Fill my life again. Sure, we might need to live with the consequences of some of the stuff that we do when we mess up. But God will give us the strength to hold on and grow closer to him. Because in being active in the world, he takes account of us and our decisions and choices. Second thing, which might feel a little bit irrelevant to us today, so bear with me, but God's purposes, when we see that he is involved in in our world, they're not restricted to any one nation or group. Now, if we think back over the last little while. We've been looking at the Book of Acts, the first Christians, and uh, they were blown away that actually Jesus came not just for the Jews, but for everybody. Jonah, we've just talked about Jonah, he found it really hard to to get his head around the fact that the Ninevites might actually benefit from God's favour. But let's not forget, right from the very beginning, Abraham was told that he would be a blessing to all nations. We see in the book of Revelation, in chapter 7, that every tongue, tribe, and nation will bow before the throne. There will be people from all over the world who will come before the throne of God. And receive his mercy. Jesus, who else? Maybe made this hit home for us. Matthew chapter 7, verses 43 to 48. Matthew chapter 7, 43 to 48. Again, probably quite familiar. No, that's wrong. How did I write that down wrong? La-dee-da-dee-da. Let's go for Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, shall we? I've found it. Because there aren't even 43 verses in chapter 7. There you go. Chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. You have heard it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I tell you, turn it on his head. Love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. See, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Sometimes church can create this feeling that actually being a Christian is only for people like us. It's a bit of a club, a bit of a holy huddle. But look who Jesus related to. The tax collectors... And the prostitutes. He touched the unclean and the leper. He spoke forgiveness to the adulterous. Who might the equivalent be for us today? We need to be careful that we don't think, well actually God isn't good enough for them or they're not good enough for God. So I'm going to leave them alone, but actually we need to reach out and look around and be God's people, his hands and his feet and his mouth and his heart, everywhere that we are. God's purposes are not restricted to any one nation or group and he wants us to live that out today. Third thing, is that God's plans are often hidden from us. And I think that's quite a difficult one to get our head around, really. But actually, there's a real truth in that that can help us. You see, we love the fact that God has made himself known supremely in Jesus. We get a sense of of who God is in the way that Jesus was and what he said and how he lived and what he did. And through scripture, God guides and helps and shows us. He reveals so much to us. But, at the end of the day, that can feel a little bit like, well, there's, there's a motorway that's well mapped out. That's God's purpose and direction. The motorway is well mapped out, but my life, Well, it's kind of a little bit of a B road or even a little track that ain't even on the map yet. Because we don't quite know where God is leading us. But we need to hang on to the fact that the motorway is there. And those roads will, bit by bit, become apparent. But some of them we might actually not ever really know how we got there. we take Job as an example. I read this morning a little bit from Job. Job had been through the mill as he lost everything and he had no idea what was going on. Man alive, he lost everything. He had no idea. But he held on. He held on. He held on. I think it's perhaps harder than ever for us today to to hold on to the fact that God's plans are are often hidden from us. That He is there, that He is active, but sometimes we will not know. Because these days we kind of feel we're entitled, don't we, to know pretty much everything. We want to know what's going on in decision making. We've grown to distrust many people and and authorities that have power and influence over us. And we find it quite difficult to trust that maybe we'll need to entrust things into God's hands. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I've got a little calendar up on my wall that, um, that Bevan gave me that's got a children's translation of that and it says, respect and obey the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Oh, that's lovely. That when we fear the Lord, we respect and we obey him. And actually sometimes we need to trust even if we don't understand what we're doing. Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Seek your happiness in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's my paraphrase, I can't remember it exactly, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Verses 3 and 4. Trusting in God can be really hard. But if we get our our heads around this idea of of God's involvement in the world, that can really help us. Time is against us, but I wanted just to look at point four as well, which is that God's purposes are against evil. And, And in a sense, this is a real biggie. This is a real significant one in our society. See, the problem of evil especially the effects of evil where it's about suffering, they really are perplexing, painful things for us. For many people, it's actually the stumbling block to belief in God at all. Where we can attribute suffering to to human actions, we can begin to see that the fall and sin, well, yeah, okay, that makes sense, but what about Natural disasters, earthquakes, tsunamis, all those kinds of stuff. That just seems pointless. Some people will really struggle to believe in the God of the Bible, who is all good and all powerful. They'll say, well, yeah, maybe he's good, but he's not powerful enough to stop that. Or maybe he's all powerful, but he can't be good, because he didn't stop that. I don't want us to minimize the genuine tussles that people have. But maybe there's a different way of us trying to look at this through this idea of providence that God is against evil. And maybe the starting point for that is that actually, if we dispense with God, it doesn't resolve the problem of suffering, actually. The suffering is still there. Even if we say, well, God can't exist. Suffering still is going to be there. And so maybe we need to look at it a little bit differently. Maybe the starting point is what we've just said in, in that last point, that actually we won't always understand what God's plans are. Because we assume if we can't understand it then there can't be a purpose but maybe we just don't actually know what that purpose is. And that takes a lot. I guess a big, big step of faith and humility to say, well, hey, maybe I don't have all the answers. But then We need to look positively at God's action in the world. To see that time and again we can see that his purposes are against evil. Let's start with Jesus. Uncreated one, from the beginning of time, he was there. Shared an eternity with the Father and the Spirit. In fellowship, he chose to come and live amongst us in the muck and the mire, in the joy and the triumph, but the despair and the dirt of our lives. And as we remember at communion, he died for us. God died for us. few weeks' time, we'll look to Good Friday, where in those dark hours between 12 and 3, as, as Jesus hung on the cross and began to die, as he gave up his last breath and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His death was Agony. because what lay ahead was separation from God. As he took upon his shoulders all the sin and all the evil, all the selfishness of the world, and he was separated from the Father as he dealt with our sin and our suffering. He felt the agony in dealing with suffering. And of course, as we sang, he rose from the grave. He conquered death and rose from the grave. And right there on Easter Sunday morning, we have an incredible statement of God's purpose to oppose evil. Because he took it upon himself. And he said, I'm going to take that in order that you might walk with me And my Father, by the power of the Spirit. We see in Jesus' life that he was moved by by the evil of death that that was the result of sin. He wept at the death of Lazarus in John 11. He was moved by women who who had been poorly and ill and and ostracised. As he healed them, he felt that pain. As you look through the Bible, the story of the Bible tells you of God's desire to have people walk with him and work against the evil that's in this world. So God has not abandoned us to evil. And he has certainly not caused evil, though he has allowed it. And there is hope in that. There is hope that God is involved, even when we can't fully understand it. Time has run out. Let's just think four real quick consequences. The first one is this. We are responsible for our actions and our decisions, our response to our circumstances. We do not need to be victims of our circumstances, but we can ask God's help because he's involved. Second thing, we don't need to be captive to a fatalistic view of the world we don't need to be captive to things like horoscopes that seem to have such a pull on so many people that seem to determine people's lives and and how they will be lived we are not passive we're invited to walk with God the creator of the stars the heavens and the earth and seek his guidance third thing this is a biggie prayer makes a difference Prayer makes a difference. God wants us to turn to him. To turn situations and people to him. And fourthly, I've alluded to it, but we are never on the scrap heap. As we acknowledge, we all make a pig's ear of stuff at times. And we might have to live with the consequences of some of those actions. But God wants us to turn to him. And walk forward with him. As we recognise and affirm today that God is at work in the world. Is there somewhere, some situation that you need to trust into God's hands this morning?